Oh, hi, y'all. It's Friday. You made it, and we have a great show for you. We'll be talking to 2020 Democratic presidential candidate Marianne Williamson, and then Zach is sitting down with Kelly Rowland. Uh, it's too much to even process. <laughs> mm. Well, you stick right there, and we will see you on the timeline. Good morning, Twitter. I'm Zach Stafford, she's Alex Berg, and you are watching AM to DM. How are you doing? You know, I'm a teeny little bit tired. I can assume, I can imagine why, yeah. because we had a late night. But a very fun night, very I might add. fun night, and we were working. We were not out we partying, club hopping through these New York streets, even though some days I want to be. <laughs> uh, instead, we were at Webster Hall with some of our colleagues celebrating the internet. And there we are. makes it wonderful. Uh, we had our friend Lil Nas X uh, there who performed, and it was a really great time. You know, yeah. we are going to be airing this whole show. It's a live show that we have pre-recorded and will air on August 4th on Sunday yeah. on YouTube. And it's very excited. It celebrated all of these different famous personalities from the internet. Um, everyone from uh, Bill de Blasio to yes. Lil Nas X, who the we mayor were was super, there. super excited about. So yes. that was very cool. It was a great time. It was a great time. And it's going to be really great when it comes out because history could be made then. It sure could. Because Lil Nas X could be dethroning Despacito as the longest running number one song on the Billboard Hot 100. Ooh. So we're going to watch out for that. But let's take to the timeline. If Lil Nas does dethrone Despacito, how will you be celebrating? Tweet us using the hashtag AM2DM. It's time now for the stakes 2020, and we are talking with Democratic presidential candidate Marianne Williamson. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're great. Thanks for joining us. And I want to jump right in. Thank you. Yes, because after the debate, you became quite a popular meme with comments like, girlfriend, you are so on. What do you think <laughs> of the internet's obsession with you? What was the question? I'm what sorry. What do you think of the internet's obsession with you? What do I think of it? Yeah. Well, in terms of the memes like the one you mentioned, I think the vast majority of them are hilarious and really fascinating, actually, because there are memes out there that I feel speak some very deep truths about what my campaign is. So the vast majority of them make me laugh, and some of them have kind of amazed me. I think it's fascinating, the whole, the whole meme culture. Um, I mean, it's a phenomenon, and it's almost an honor to be the subject of some of this, because I notice that some of the quotes that people use from my work means they really understand my work, and they've really read it. So I just think it's an amazing thing happening. It's, it's very democratizing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, from what I, from what I can surmise, comes from a, a younger generation who, it, it's so interesting because they're not downloading, let's say, a meme from my campaign. We haven't even made any. These are all spontaneous and organic from people's own um, sensibility and response. I just think it's quite incredible, actually. Mm -hmm. It's so not canned. And in some cases, it's so creative. Some of them are just ridiculous, of course, but some of them are really kind of amazing. Mm, well, Marian, switching gears, thank you for the insight on the memes there. Uh, this week, Mueller testified that Donald Trump could be indicted for obstruction of justice once he leaves office. If you become president, would you direct the Department of Justice to open a criminal investigation into Mr. Donald Trump? Well, the obstruction of justice, uh, of justice to me is not that I'm in any way 
minimizing or diminishing its import. But where I am very concerned has to do with the fact that we use kidnapping of children as an instrument of public policy and the purposeful infliction of trauma on children, which is essentially child abuse, those detainment camps for children as a matter of public policy. So absolutely, as president, I would wish to hold those responsible for that accountable to the full extent of the law. So, Marion, you're saying that as president, you would direct your attorney general to open up obstruction uh, indictments onto Mr. Trump for the Russia situation. I don't think the relationship between the president and the attorney general is exactly that you direct the attorney general. I think there's there's I'm not I'm not sure that's the language, but absolutely. I feel that those who are responsible uh, for those those policies, um, kidnapping and child abuse at the border, Absolutely. I will make sure in whatever way is is, uh, possible that those responsible will will be held accountable. All right. Well, we tweeted about you coming on the show and we got a lot of questions about your positions on medicine, vaccines and mental health. I want to start with a tweet from Kiara. Kiara said, ask her to clarify her beliefs in medicine and vaccines. And Kiara went on and said, too many people are spinning them to fit their agendas. So there's been a lot of confusion over your stance on vaccinations. Do you ever worry that your position is being used to legitimize the anti-vax movement? What I'm concerned about, first of all, I'm pro-vaccine, I'm pro-medicine, I'm pro-science, and I'm pro-responsibility. I'm pro-responsibility on the part of of big pharma. I am pro-responsibility on the part of the oversight agencies of the United States government that are supposed to do proper regulatory oversight. Centers for Disease Control, et cetera. We're living at a time right now when attorneys general all over this country are indicting big pharmaceutical executives for their role in the opioid crisis. We absolutely know about the over-manufacture and over-prescription in, in opioids. And I'm simply saying, why should we assume, knowing what we know about that, that in every other area, big pharma is a paragon of pure intent and uh, concern for the common good. I want responsibility. I don't like how our environmental policies are so often determined by big fossil fuel companies rather than what should be environmental protection agencies. I'm concerned when, uh, when, our, when any of our health uh, issues or agricultural issues have more to do with big chemical companies or agricultural companies or big pharmaceutical companies as opposed to the Food and Drug Administration or big pharmaceutical companies, as opposed to Food and Drug Administration or the Centers for Disease Control. Nobody should apologize for arguing for proper oversight in every single case so that we know that the government is advocating always for the health and well-being of the American people, as opposed to any profit maximization for any uh, large industry, whether it's big pharma or any other. I want to ask you if uh, a question on a personal note, which is, did you ever grapple with vaccinating your own daughter? I did, I did vaccinate my daughter. But did you ever grapple with some of these questions uh, and ideas you just raised when you were making that decision for her? Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime that there is a medical intervention, there is both benefit and risk. And government always must come uh, down on the side of, pers- of public safety. The, the issue, I think, for many of us is that uh, the amount of vaccines that we took 
uh, with much with much less when I was a child. And so there's a lot of question about the bundling. There's a lot of question about how many. So I'm not going to back down from saying that I am uncomfortable with how much this this conversation is squashed in this country. That's all. And I think that the, that in a in a free society, there are times when um, a conversation should be had. And people shouldn't be automatically labeled as anti-vaxxers or conspiracy theorists or crazy people just because we're asking questions. I think those who are asking questions are the ones who are demonstrating a lot of concern about children's health. All, all people are talking about, as far as I can tell, is independent scientific research that is not always paid for by big pharmaceutical companies. And that's pretty much all I have to say about it. I want to get to uh, another tweet of yours. In 2009, you tweeted this. God is big, swine flu, small. See every cell of your body filled with divine light. Pour God's love on your immune systems. Truth protects. Can you clarify whether or not you believe people can heal themselves of these kinds of illnesses with divine light or, or love? This is not about, this. there's nothing in what you just said that in any way is anti-medicine, anti-science, any way telling people not to go to the doctor. This is not 1975. I don't know why people are acting so silly today. We know better. We now know that integrative medicine, this is part of mainstream understanding. You go to the doctor and you go to the therapist. You go to the therapist and the doctor and you go to a meditation group. You go to a doctor and to a therapist and to church or to synagogue or to or to yoga, or to meditation group. This is what people do today. So it's body, mind, and spirit. It's not, you know, at the beginning of all this, people used to use a long time ago a phrase called alternative medicine. And then it changed to complementary medicine. And then it turned into integrative medicine. If somebody prays with someone, if you, today, if you, if you are, God forbid, diagnosed with cancer, let's say, we're living now at a time where doctors are liable to be the first person to suggest that you go over to one of those spiritual support groups. There have been scientific research studies that have proven that people who, attend, who, have, been, who have been diagnosed with a life-challenging illness and then attend support groups live sometimes twice as long after diagnosis. This is not something you do instead of your doctor, instead of your chemo. It is something you do along with it. It's very routine. You have the most prestigious medical centers today that now have the integrative body, mind, and spirit approaches as part of their programs. You have Harvard uh, University doing, uh, doing symposiums on integrative medicine. Somebody who's leading you in prayer or in meditation about your illness is right there alongside your doctor, not instead of your doctor. Mm. And Mary, thank you for kind of talking us through that kind of idea of medicine and working with spiritual advisors. And I want to read you a tweet that you tweeted a, a few years ago. Um, there is a blood test for diabetes. There is no blood test for depression. Antidepressants are overprescribed, often for situational depression that is part of a normal range of human despair. As far as brain chemistry is concerned, meditation is known to affect or change it. And Marion, I was wondering if you could define for us today what a normal range of human despair is, because I believe you've spoken about this a few times. I absolutely will. And, and, and I point out what you just said. I said overprescribed. I'm not judging antidepressants. Uh, clearly, they're very helpful to many people in their lives. I have no judgment of that whatsoever. I'm talking about, as you, as you pointed out in that tweet, 
over prescription. So you ask me, what is situational or normal despair? I'll be glad to do that. The 20s can be very hard. They're not a mental illness. Divorce can be very difficult. Losing a loved one, someone that you know died, someone left in a a relationship and you're heartbroken, that's very painful, but it's not a mental illness. You had a professional failure, you lost your job, you went bankrupt. Those things are very difficult, but they are not a mental illness. That is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the medicalization of what I believe is a spectrum of normal human despair. And the normal human despair to which I just, has to do with the issues to which I just referred. Mm. But Marion, you know, we're talking about different people's experiences here. Do you think it's productive for you to weigh in on antidepressants when it is such a complicated situation that seems to keep flaring up for you? No, I do not think it's it's wrong at all. I very much stay in my lane. But I would say that when doctors are coming in to talk about a situational despair, they're getting in my lane. You see, I have never, I have never weighed in on issues such as bipolar, schizophrenia, anything like that. That's not my lane. I've never weighed in. And clearly there are mental conditions about which, uh, for which psychotherapeutic drugs have been and continue to be very helpful in people's lives. And I think that that's true with clinical depression as well. No, I do not weigh, uh, I do not. But weighing in on people's despair, not for me to weigh in on, no, I'm sorry, I've had a 35-year career working very up close and personal. I think a lot of people don't realize how many, um, how many times antidepressants are, are prescribed by a woman's gynecologist. Now, a gynecologist is not a mental health professional. So why is a gynecologist prescribing those? So, no, I'm sorry. The issue of personal human despair and how we treat it and what we do with it is very much my lane. And I'm very much a a professional dealing with those things. Well, I want to move on to uh, another area uh, that you've worked on. Um, As millennials, something Zach and I talk about frequently on this show is body acceptance and fat phobia. And you wrote a book called A Course in Weight Loss, and it touches on the idea that a person can become more of their true self uh, by losing weight. And given that one of your big messages... No, 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 that's absolutely a misrepresentation. I have never said someone would become more their true self by losing weight. That is not what I have said. I have never fat shamed anyone. I, uh, that is not, and anyone who has read the entirety of that book knows that that is simply a, a, well, a mischaracterization, a stereotype used, as most of these are, to simply minimize my campaign. Can you then clarify uh, what your view is uh, on weight loss and also compulsive eating? I think that for all of us in our lives, myself as much as anyone else I know, we, we are living in a very difficult time. We're living in a very chaotic society. There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of mean-spiritedness. And we act those things out in various ways. That's what, that's what our neuroses are. And I think the more we find our inner peace, the more we find. And that's why people are out there doing yoga. That's why people are out there so interested today in nutrition. That's why people are out there today doing meditation. That's why people go to AA. That's why people do psychotherapy. Once again, this is not the Middle Ages. This is mainstream America today. And we do those things because we know that the body and the mind have, a, have an immune system, both the body and the mind, and that the mind has ways of repairing itself just like the body has ways of repairing itself. So in every area, 
you know, in every area, whether it has to do with relationships, whether it has to do with the body, whether it has to do with work. My, my career has been based on the idea and, and on the work involved that most of us do, probably the two of you do, that this is what we do today. It has to do with claiming that place within ourselves where we are at peace and where we can have the greatest alignment with the best of who we are and that which makes us feel good and makes us happy. Mary. This is not some, you know, in my case, it's being made to seem like some wacko woo-woo thing. It's simply what, what is a very mainstream part of our culture and really based on universal spiritual and psychotherapeutic things. Mm, well, Marion, I wanted to bring up something else that deals with personal relationships. And there was a video showing you leading a group of white people to apologize to black people inside a church. And I was really wondering, have you ever done something racist that you felt you needed to apologize for? And what was that? Well, I assume that I have. I mean, I certainly assume that I have had, I mean, I know that I've had thoughts in my life that are no different than anyone else's. I don't know if specifically on the issue of race in terms of black and white, but in terms of, sure, somebody whose who's something was different than mine. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I have. Have I ever acted it out in a way that I have had to apologize for? Not that I remember, but there might have been, sure. And that, that video that you're talking about, was, uh, as you said, it was inside a church. It was part of a racial reconciliation healing service. You know, the idea of countries apologizing and peoples apologizing, if anyone is well-read on history, uh, Germany, the German prime minister went to Poland to apologize after World War II. These kinds of things are just like individuals apologize. The idea of, of peoples, groups of people atoning. We talk a lot about racial a white privilege today, people apologizing. And I'm a student of history. I wrote a book called Healing the Soul of America at the end of the 90s. I also put an apology uh, for uh, not only to black Americans, but also to Native Americans in my book, Illuminata. Mm -hmm. So oh, if uh, anybody reads my books and knows the entirety of my work, it's just another case where what I did was nothing out there. It was simply something that that is uh, part of racial reconciliation right. uh, and so between groups of people. We are uh, running out of time here, so I have one question that we got to ask before we go. Um, I want to read this tweet from Michael Blackman, who says, what was it like having Laura Dern for a roommate? Absolutely wonderful. I was 31 when I met her. She was 18, and she was adorable. She was wonderful, and she still is. Mm, and did you watch the final season of Big Little Lies? I have to ask. About that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, I didn't actually. No, I didn't. Uh, well, but I, I know she was wonderful because she always is. All those actresses, obviously, are you know treasures. They are truly wonderful. But you should catch up soon. Uh, it was quite a good season. It was. Well, Marion, thank you so much for joining us today by phone, and hopefully, we will see you in person soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. An interesting conversation there for yes. sure. Uh, you know, I just want to note that when we're talking about vaccines, all the studies have shown that they are safe. Yes. The uh, study that went out that, uh, you know, allegedly debunked uh, vaccines or said that, you know, uh, vaccines were bad mm -hmm. was, uh, you know, later rescinded by yes. the person who authored it. So I always think it's a little bit important to add a little bit of context there when we're having For sure. And it's also amazing to see the wide range of topics these candidates are covering when there are over 24 of them. And we have some news for you. Next week, Colorado governor and Democratic presidential candidate John Hickenlooper will be with us on the show in person. So tweet us questions you want to know about him and his candidacy. 
Yes, and we said it is a big day. So later, you'll see Zach sit down with Kelly Rowland. Yes. But up next, it's time for Fire Tweets. Welcome back. It's now time for Fire Treats, which is which is maybe the hottest part of the show. I don't know. I don't know. Today, I don't think it's the hottest it's part of the, the show. It's not the hottest Hello, part of the show Hello, we just today. got to 2020 <laughs> Democratic presidential candidate, Marianne Williamson. And you're going to be talking to Kelly, Kelly Rowland, who is so fine. Ooh, and I'm not even a heterosexual man, but we will talk about some heterosexual men in these Fire Tweets. So, Moniz, <laughs> you tweet it. <laughs> I just had to. I hate when I'm 30 minutes into cardio and I look down and the timer is on 25 seconds. And then my life is ruined because I'm like, I fucking hate this treadmill. Cardio is I'm awful. I'm over it. That's why y'all need to run in these streets if you can. Run in the streets? Yes. I'm just, not, I'm just not running. Stationary no, bikes. No, no thank you. No thank you. <laughs> Caucasian James, you tweeted, how am I supposed to explain to my children that I cannot help them with their math homework? How am I supposed to look at them dead in the eye Ugh. and tell them that I am not capable of doing long division? Oh my God. I just need to say something really quick to my family. I get it. You were not stupid <laughs> when I was a kid. I understand because who the hell remembers long division when you are 25 plus or anything? So I understand y'all. I you know what? It. You know what makes me mad? Like when you finally get to a class where you get to have a calculator and you're <laughs> like, I went through all of that bullshit to oh, have what? a calculator. And now our phones have calculators. So there you go. Doesn't matter. All right. You, be lazy. Mike, you Mike from Wisconsin, <laughs> you tweeted. Me listening to how bad things have gotten at my job since I left. Ooh. <clears throat> This video is so good. All I'm gonna it's so good. All I'm going to say is I've never related to a tweet more <gasps> in my life. <laughs> JMO, you tweeted. Human, I am just as upset as you about your new pillow. I can't believe the cat would do this. <laughs> sure, blame the cat, why don't you? Mm -hmm. Dogs are so sweet. Dogs rule everything. Oh, God. Well, tweet of the day, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Sparkly, you tweeted, if you are arguing loudly on your phone in public, please put it on speaker. I need to hear both sides of the story to know whose side I am on. <laughs> I just, I want to know. I, I need know. to know. Like, I have to know. I hate when people are on the phone in a coffee shop because it annoys me to, to know, like, so yes. badly. But if you're both fighting there, girl, I'm sitting down ordering more coffee and we're going to, I'm going to jump in. I'm like, yes, Becky. Yes, he called it that. <laughs> Tom is not shit. He's never going to be shit. Leave his ass. So, yes, put it on speaker, please. Zach pulls up a little chair, sits down next to you. <laughs> Hello, I'm a therapist. There you go. <laughs> well, coming up, I am talking to younger star Molly Bernard. But up next, Stephanie is talking about this new site that is a Wikipedia for Generation Z with Taylor Lorenz. Welcome back. The Atlantic tweeted, if you want to know who the biggest TikTok star is right now or who Emma Chamberlain has collaborated with, there is only one site that will give you the answers, Famous Birthdays. Joining me now to discuss her story on how this site is a new Wikipedia for Generation Z is Taylor Lorenz. Hey, Taylor. Hey, thanks for having me. So can you explain to any old millennials out there watching what exactly Famous Birthdays is and how it's not just a directory of Famous Birthdays, which is what I think most people would assume it would be? 
Yeah, I know the name is a little bit of a misnomer. Um, it's kind of like a Wikipedia, but way more robust. Um, it has, you know, all of the information that kind of a traditional Wikipedia would have. Um, so, you know, kind of like personal life, background, um, friendships, uh, information about, you know, the star themselves, how many subscribers they have. Um, but it's not community edited. It's um, it's actually run by the staff there. Um, and uh, it also features this like really in-depth ranking system. So, um, you know, alongside each person, you can see they're maybe like the 10th most popular YouTuber, but the first most popular like Gemini um, or, you know, the, the fifth most popular person born in April. Um, so it kind of like ranks everyone based off all these systems. When I was reading your story, I was honestly kind of jealous of the founder of this website because they have 20 million uniques a month. And basically what he said was he saw people searching for these celebrities and he saw this void in the market and he filled the void in the market. Why do you think he's the only person that is treating YouTubers and influencers like celebrities in this way online? I just think, I mean, so many people have been just write influencers off um, and they write off, you know, YouTubers, um, they, you know, they wrote off Instagrammers, they wrote off minors. Um, and he was one of the first people to really recognize that these people were important. I mean, back in 2013, um, essentially he tried to create like a real sort of celebrity database. He was filling it with people like Tom Cruise, Rihanna, um, but no one was, yeah, none of his, he attracted a lot of young users. Um, because of his mobile sort of site design. Uh, but yeah, everyone was searching for these internet stars. I, I think it just um, goes to the point that like, you know, you really have to kind of take this stuff seriously. I think a lot of, um, you know, he's not a traditional news outlet or, or a media outlet, but I think, it, you know, he has a media company and he's a media company. He runs a media company that, um, you know, instead of scoffing at these people or laughing or being like, oh, you know, these viners are going to be gone in a week. He's like, okay, what can I really tap into, um, you know, around interest around these people? Totally brilliant. And I think another thing that's really interesting is that a lot of times the users of this site who, like you said, have this ranking system where they can say who is the more influential celebrity, oftentimes, I would say most of the time, rank internet celebrities over traditional celebrities. What do you think that says about our celebrity culture do you, and how it's going forward? Um, I mean, celebrity culture has changed. That's been true for years. I mean, for years and years, people have found, um, you know, young people have had this mix of digital talent and traditional talent that are re relevant to them. Um, I think the mainstream Hollywood talent has, um, you know, traditionally been recognized as influential, um, but some of the more uh, digital oriented talent like YouTubers, for instance, um, haven't always been as recognized as being as influential, I guess, to these kids. Um, I think, I mean, at this point by 2019, um, it's all just so merged together. Um, that, yeah, I, I think that like more companies and brands and, um, outlets are, are realizing that, you know, these, these people on YouTube are very relevant. I mean, what, what children watch all day is YouTube. They don't watch news. They don't watch shows on TV. Like, you know, maybe they'll have like streaming services, but most everything they watch is, is through their phone or tablet or Apple TV. Um, so I think it's just taken a little while uh, for the sort of industry to catch up with that. The influencers are taking over. That's the TLDR of everything. <laughs> Taylor, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Stay tuned because later on in the show, Kelly Rowland is going to fulfill Zach's destiny. 
so exciting. But up next, Alex talks about TV Land's Younger with Molly Bernard. You've seen her in Chicago Med and Transparent, and you love her in Younger. I am so excited to be joined now by Molly Bernard. Thanks for joining me. I love the clapping. Yes, Austria. yes. Hi. Yes, and serving a look. Yes, thank you. Yes, I am you know, serving. As one must. So I have to say congratulations. The show's just been renewed for season seven. Yeah. And I know that even to arrive at this season, there was a chance it was going to leave and go to a different network, then it came back. And yes. So how does it feel to have another season of Younger? I mean, it's it's amazing. This is my first job out of grad school. So the fact that, like, my oh. first big job has now led to seven years of employment is insane. <laughs> I'm kind of shocked. Obviously, I'm thrilled, and I love it so much, and I'm so excited to uh, continue telling the story. But it's, um, who'd have thunk? It's wild. Yeah. I feel like seven years is just, like, really good in the span of, uh, you know, the way jobs work these days is, like, that's a really long time for anyone. So, I yeah. Know. yeah. I was, like, a baby when I started, and yeah. now I'm an, I'm an adult woman. <laughs> M- maybe. Well, maybe. I mean, that, that is exactly <laughs> how I feel. I want to talk a little bit more about your character. Um, she is so confident and trendy, and we have this tweet from Amanda, which is, I need a friend like Lauren to make me Insta-famous. She made a baby famous. Um, how did you feel when you learned about this storyline for the season? Um, it, it still cracks me up. And I love that Amanda uh, tweeted that. I, it's, I, we all need a friend like Lauren. She really, she made a baby famous. It's crazy. That storyline just makes me laugh so much. And shooting it with Nico was so fun. So much fun. And we had like nine different babies. But actually like, yeah, because you have to probably. I think they can work for 20 minutes at a time. They can work. Do you have a, is there a favorite of the nine babies? We do have a favorite. I shan't name okay, names, all right. we do have a favorite baby. Yeah, we don't want to make any of the babies feel left out. Correct, um, correct. <laughs> well, yeah. your character also has a lot of great one-liners as well as adventures. Um, is there one that is your favorite? I honestly, yes. It's from season one. It's early on. It's it's the Topless Tuesday, which is not necessarily a catchphrase, <laughs> but it's that, like, the way that I understood how to play Lauren and her size and her bravery was that my first day of work on Younger, I was topless in Bryant Park at, at noon, like, at a lunch hour, and it was not a closed set. Oh, my goodness. So I was like, okay. You're like, Topless here we go. All yeah. right. All right, well, Luby tweeted, Maggie is the lesbian icon television needed, and Lauren is the pansexual icon we all want to be. And as part of the LGBTQ community yourself, have you thought a lot about representation on the show? I mean, there's so much both on screen and then also behind the scenes. I am constantly thinking about representation, um, particularly, I think, in the... Uh, the shows that I'm most known for, like Younger and and Transparent. Um, And I feel very lucky that our writer's room on Younger is mostly queer people. I think it's 90% queer people. Um, And with Nico and I, you know, Nico really helped me come into my own as a kind of fluid, pansexual, bisexual creature. Um, And I feel very blessed to be on a show that um, focuses on representation. Yeah. And, and that it's not stigmatized, right? Like, Lauren isn't known for being just a bisexual. Maggie is not known for being just a gay woman. Like, we are more than that. Yeah. Fully realized human beings. What a, what a what concept. A con- yes, what a concept. Is there anywhere you'd like to see the show go in terms of representation? I think continue telling their stories as, uh, as human beings. I, I know that that's perhaps redundant because I just said that. But, um, you know... Maybe Lauren has a boyfriend next season. Maybe she has a boyfriend and a girlfriend. Maybe she's seeing a gender non-conforming person. That would be really exciting for me yeah. if, if Lauren's next 
person she was seeing was um, a non-binary person. Yeah, as a bi-plus person myself, you are like, you speak in my language yeah. over here. <laughs> I, I love hearing it. Um, you also play the lead in uh, an upcoming LGBTQ movie called Milkwater. Um, what can you tell us about your role and, and just also about this project? It's a really beautiful film. Um, I play a really lost uh, 29-year-old millennial. Um, she's looking for herself and meets this older gay man who has tried to have kids and not succeeded. He's single. She offers to be his surrogate in a kind of boundaryless effort to be loved and to love someone. And um, it, the film chronicles her inability to accept boundaries. And it's it's really it's a beautiful story I think for people in our generation who mm. struggle to find meaning, you know, mm. in in the age of the yeah. screen and yeah. yeah yeah I hear that. Um, well, before you go, uh, I would be remiss if I did not ask about some of the cute baby photos that I see you posting. You are a godparent to uh, Hillary Duff's child Banks, right? Um, is there any uh, advice or anything you feel like you can impart on uh, Banks that Hillary wouldn't necessarily be able to impart herself? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One of the three, uh, let me try again. One of the things Hillary said to me when I became Banks' godmother was like, you're going to teach her things I'm not able to about sexuality and about, I don't know, politics. And I feel like I'm maybe (laughs) Hillary's socialist commie friend. So maybe, <laughs> like, I fully plan on giving Banks a copy of the Communist Manifesto. All right. <laughs> and, like, uh, a copy of The Argonauts by Maggie Nelson. Yeah, I always, uh, I have a niece who I am always like, we are the cool and the cool queer auntie. So, you know, that's like, I, so I hear you on all those It's friends. a happy role. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to have it. That's great. Well, I, I feel like I could keep on talking to you for much longer, um, but thank you so much for thank joining me. Thank you for me. having me. And you can catch Molly as Lauren Heller on Younger every Wednesday at 10 on TV Land. Up next, we're talking about dating rules and boundaries. And later, Zach is sitting down with the iconic Kelly Rowland. This is The Sit Down, and I'm here with Grammy Award-winning singer Kelly Rowland. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm so good. So delighted to be here it's, with you today. I'm so happy you're here, too, and your Thank energy you. is just, I could bask in it all day long. Thank you so much. It's, I appreciate it's that. It's so good. So <laughs> I have to say, you look incredible, Thank and I need you. to know your secret. How do you stay so fit and healthy, being so busy? Um, I make time for the things that I want to make time for. Okay. Um, uh, family life makes me happy. Um, I'm making music right now that makes me happy. I'm uh, dipping in certain projects that makes me happy. Um, and now I've teamed up with Honey Nut Cheerios to really uh, encourage people about living a heart-healthy lifestyle. Mm. And um, it's been really exciting, actually, because um, for me, I actually lost my mom to um, heart disease. So for me, I wanted to make sure I was actually taking the proper steps and taking care of my diet and um, exercising Mm -hmm. every day um, and just making different decisions Mm. to really just lengthen my life here on earth. Mm, and we need you around, Kelly. Yeah, we yeah. Need and, you here for and I want to be here, and I want to be here for my son, and I want to. I also want. I don't want to think about it as a chore. You yeah, know? I think yeah. That also, when people think about like working out, they're like, "Oh God, I don't want to make time for that." <laughs> but it's simple things that you can do, from taking your dog out on the walk, on a walk, or just walking or hanging time, spending time with family. I know for me, I just went roller skating, <laughs> and we had the best time. And I didn't know that I was going to be absolutely out of breath from moving around. <laughs> really? that reef was like. Oh, this is great. <laughs> but it's fun. So it is. Whatever you do when you're moving, when you're out, when you're with friends, you have to make fun of it. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it should be fun. It's, yes, it you should, shouldn't think about and it. And exercise doesn't have to be this terrible thing. It you can doesn't. make it joyful. It doesn't need to be just an elliptical exactly. or a treadmill. Exactly. Can, exactly. Box! <laughs> 
go boxing. Like, hit a bag. Oh, my God. I wouldn't be afraid of you boxing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking, you mentioned friendships earlier, and I want to bring up the fact that you were name-dropped in a little song called Brown Skin Girls. And I have to ask, what was it like um, being named in that song? And also, how have you seen your confidence grow as a a woman of color and seeing that celebration happen so much lately? The coolest thing is when I was a kid, I remember having hearing all these different things from, and I think we've all heard it, um, the you're pretty for a brown skin mm-hmm. girl, or, um, oh, she, she's, she's really cute, mm. or, you know what I mean? And other girls who would be a different shade are really beautiful or really pretty, or the cover of a magazine says this is what beauty looks like and you are not on it, yeah. or no one on there looks like you. So I remember having those issues, and Tina Knowles Lawson actually um, told me, she would stand me in front of the mirror and tell me how beautiful my features were, why they were beautiful and this is our motherland and this is what you know what Mm -hmm. I mean like and this is how we're supposed to look and we should be proud of that and walk and bask in our Mm. brown beauty and I started to do that (laughs) and um and there were certain times where I would actually doubt it as well and she would remind me or my fans would Mm -hmm. remind me and say oh my god I feel like you're representing for all of us so and I remember hearing it in power you know what I mean when Kanye did power and then how B has now this anthem about brown skin girls and it's so many different shades, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I think that's what's so beautiful about being brown. There's yeah. so many different beautiful shades of brown, and um, I encourage every every woman, every girl, um, to really embrace that yeah. and to know how gorgeous you are. There's only there's only one you, honey. There really is only one you, and there's <laughs> yeah. a, definitely only one you. Thanks. But another person in the song, Lupita Nyong'o, posted yes. the video. Did you see it? Yes, I, I love this video. It. It's so, She's like, so good. By the way, you would have <laughs> thought this was Lupita's song. Right? <laughs> Lupita was like, this is my song. Lupita's like, girl, this is my time to shine. I'm going to take up some space. I don't hear nobody else. Like, no, no. It was just all about her. I love it. It was so great. And what I I loved about Lupita sharing it and you talking about it is that we're able to have a conversation about colorism. The fact that it's not just about, you know, racism, about being black and white, but within the black community, there is discrimination on the different color you are. Yes. How do you think that's impacted your own professional career in the music industry? Oh my gosh, I've I've watched it. Mm. Um, Tell me about that. Um, I mean, to be frank, like I I feel like like there have been like whether it's an opportunity or a magazine mm-hmm. or um, I remember even someone actually walking past me saying, "Oh my gosh, where's the pretty one at?" <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> but it but it had nothing to do with me. Yeah. That was their stuff, and yeah. I grew to understand that. And that's just like, you know, maybe yeah. they were going through their own stuff as well because they were brown skin. Yeah. So you just have to realize that everybody has their way of dealing, you know, with the other part of that. But mm-hmm. I think that it's definitely time that we really start to call each other out on mm. it. And so when it when it does happen, you know, whether it's in songs or, you know, certain things are mentioned, you have to be ready to actually take that mm-hmm. you know what I mean and but because it's happened so much we also have to start like getting into a new frame of mind yes you know what I mean and it's really difficult for yeah, folks yeah it is this is a whole lifetime you've been trained to think exactly, of this way exactly well you're not as pretty well you are this and you are that and I just really think that it's about time where we're just like you know what honey 
I am great. Yes. You know what I mean? Whether it's my hair, whether it's the color of my skin, how tall I am, how curvy I am. Like you have to realize that it's not necessarily you. It might be the other person on the mm -hmm. side of that comment that might be saying something to make you feel like it's belittling, but you yeah. have to be the bigger person. Yes, exactly. And I know that recently Chris Brown uh, came under fire for his own potentially colorist comments. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that you commented on Instagram. But I didn't. So here's didn't? what happened. Girl, tell me the tea because I was so wanting to you know said about tell me the tea. Yeah, girl, give me the tea on so this. So I'm, I'm actually in Australia, okay. and it's so funny because I didn't know about this that oh. happened. And um, everybody was like, like, oh, like, cause I think I commented on something that said something about him breaking a hit, like. Yes, record. he had a new song, and you said, and I, I was love like, you, Chris. Oh my gosh, love you, Chris. Yes. That was it. Yeah. And next thing I knew, I came up under all this scrutiny. The next day that I'm waking up, I'm like, Wait, wow, they hate me, they hate me. They, I'm, I'm like, okay, I don't know why. Yeah, you're like, why does you know what I mean? hate me? Yeah, but we're so quick to crucify each other. Mm -hmm. We don't know the backstory of anything. So we also have to be careful of things like that as well. But um, I think that that phrase, mm -hmm. good hair, has followed us for so long. Yes. And, um, you know, there's so much bad history attached to it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whether it's how how... I know my mama T likes for me to say how curly the roots mm -hmm. are. You know what I mean? To how loose of a curl you have. Like, it's all good hair. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it's all good hair. And I don't think that it should be um, categorized. Mm. You know what I mean? There's all these different things now also, like, that help people kind of, like, work their way through different mm -hmm. uh, types of hair. 4C, 4B, 3C, all this stuff. I'm like, it's hair. Yeah. <laughs> you know I love I mean? all of it. Yeah, but we also are learning how to, you know, manage our hair. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a new mom. I'm learning how to manage my mm -hmm. son's hair, whose curl is definitely, like, different than mine. Yes. But it, it's hair, and it's all beautiful hair. Mm, well, switching gears, and you brought up your son, and I really want to talk about Ty. Yes. Because I know that you said you're you're itching, I think, to have a sibling for him. I am. Well, how is that going? Is your husband getting on board? Is it a hard conversation? It's not a hard conversation. It's more so my number one baby right now mm -hmm. is completing this next body of work oh, as an album. Okay. And that's the baby. And, you know, it's still forming in the mm -hmm. in the studio room. <laughs> so I'm just trying to make sure that we give that definitely enough um, time. So okay. once I do that, I feel like I will be in a space to where I'm really, really ready for another okay. child. Because, I mean, it's not just that. I'm actually about to um, film a really exciting project. I don't know if I'm able to talk about yet. Do it. Spill it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, girl, I can't, I can't yet. But, and I'm also preparing for another um, collection with Fabletics. Amazing. So I'm, oh, I'm so excited about it. You are so it. busy. Yeah, and I like being busy. And I like having all these extra um, projects as well. So it's just, but I'm, I'm itching for music just as much uh -huh. as anybody else. But I have been extremely hard on myself, extremely critical. Critical. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, also see the need for a lot of growth with this next project. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's taken me forever. You're focusing on that. <laughs> well, with so many projects, you know, you are quite a famous person. How do you manage being a mom and keeping Titan out of the spotlight? So many kids of celebrities are constantly in the news and being dragged. And you have done such a great job of raising him, and but keeping it quite private, too. Um, I think that that's definitely my tribe. Mm -hmm. I think it's myself. I think it's my tribe. Uh, we also keep him very protected. Um, and, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. I just haven't, you know, felt the need. Like, he hasn't told me, like, if he wants to be in a commercial or anything like that. I hope he never does. Um, <laughs> or anything. Like, But he is definitely an entertaining 
kind of kid. Okay. So in part of his own tribe, you know, is his cousin Blue Ivy, or we joke that they are cousins. Yes. Do you think they actually look alike, and do you see them singing the songs along with each other? It's weird how they do definitely look alike. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that, but it's it's definitely, we're like, wow, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's, it's just love. Yeah. Maybe that's just how love flows. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I think, well, yeah, they're just, they're awesome kids. They, they seem fantastic. <laughs> so you mentioned your own solo album, which is your next baby. Yes. But we have to ask, is Destiny's Child going to have a group baby anytime soon? Or can we just let that dream die? <laughs> we haven't talked about it. Okay. You know what I mean? No one saw Coachella coming. No one, you know, sees anything when yeah. we do it. <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. I was like, don't um, test me, girl, because no one sees the song coming ever. Yeah, so, I mean, anything could happen, mm-hmm. you know, but we it's not anything we've talked about. Yeah. yeah, you all do a great job of keeping it secret. I lived in Los Angeles. I live between Los Angeles and New York now. Uh-huh. And right before Coachella, I was in West Hollywood, and uh-huh. someone said, I think Destiny Child is performing because all these 18-wheelers are going to uh, to Palm Springs. And I was like, that's a reach. And then, boom. Honey, Beyonce got 18-wheelers. I, I was like, regardless. <laughs> Beyonce has enough to carry by herself, girl. So anyway, so something I was dying to bring up to you and something I've wanted to say a long time is that you, to me, and to so many people, are an icon within the LGBTQ community. Um, and you know, Destiny Child as a whole is, but you specifically have been someone that we have loved dearly. I Thank can you. remember very greatly, you know, being a young gay boy in the clubs and your yeah. songs coming on yeah. as a solo artist. Yeah. What has it meant to you to be so embraced by this community, my community? Absolutely honored. Mm. Um, and not even just honored, but um, actually the LGBTQ community was the first to embrace Destiny's Child. Mm-hmm. And you always remember the first dose of love mm-hmm. and how pure it is and how real it is and how authentic it is and how proud it is. And it makes you feel like you're a part. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, yeah, they they were the first community to really make us feel like, oh my gosh, we've made it. Yeah. And to follow for so many years and have so many followers for so mm-hmm. many years from the LGBTQ community is truly, truly just a blessing. Yeah. It is, I will have to say that you all's music from Destiny's Child and then your, yours own specifically, and I would say before Beyonce's was, yours was, the anthem to so many of our coming outs and to our dance lives thank of you. accepting ourselves. So I want to say thank you for giving us that and thank giving me you. that as well, a young Well, thank you for person. giving me the history to When Love Takes Over. Yes. I'll never forget when I did When Love Takes Over. And I think Prop 8 in LA had just mm-hmm. passed. Is that? Yeah. California, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. And um, I'll never forget what that felt like. I was like overwhelmed with so much happiness mm-hmm. and love and joy. And we all felt it in the room. I just cried. Mm. And um, I, you only, you get that feeling. Like it's just, it's a, I don't know. But I, I'll never forget that moment. And I'll never forget like how I felt mm. and how that room made me feel over that specific song. And mm. so when I think of When Love Takes Over, that's the first memory I go to is wow. just the purity of that love and the purity of, of the room. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story because When Love Takes Over does remind me of Prophet <laughs> for Marriage Equality. So I'm glad we, we are sisters and linked up. I had no idea. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for joining me today. This yes. has been incredibly lovely. No and it's great thank to see you. you. To join the Cheerios Whole Hearts Challenge with Kelly, go to the My Fitness Pal app. And for more information on the Happy Heart initiative, visit Cheerios.com. Stay tuned for more AM to DM. Hi, everyone. Thank you for going through that (laughs) incredible, life-changing 
extraordinary moment yeah. with me and my new best friend, Kelly Rowland. Yes. Whew, Lord I have Jesus. To say, what, such a, an amazing interview. You covered so much ground. That so was much produced ground. by Mary, of course. Uh, just, the wonderful Mary. All of it Thank was so great. Again. Yeah. It was really great. And it was just like a. I mean, I know my sister's watching, but we loved Destiny's Child. And I had a moment sitting there with her where I thought, Kelly Rowland is literally sitting right here. Kelly Rowland is touching my hand. <laughs> Kelly Rowland like, said Beyonce. So everything Kelly Rowland does, you like Trying to not hyper so, anyway. I feel like you're like changed. I'm you're like person. glowing. I'm a new you're person. You're like, you, I, yeah, you are. Ah! Okay, I'm <laughs> Let's get on to you all. Let's talk about, this is not about me. It's about you all because this is at us. So let's get right into it. Kirsten Baptiste tweeted this after our fire tweet about helping children with their homework. First of all, one of the 4,782 reasons why I don't have a kid, I will not be able to help them with no damn homework, period. Pooh. <laughs> I have a cousin named Pooh. That really messed with me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean. Yes, homework is going I, to be a barrier. Yeah. Also mm-hmm. costs, food, and time. You know, let's not, let's not do <clears> this. We're going to spiral. Okay, Princess Leia tweeted this following our conversation about dating boundaries. If an ex ever fixed their brain to even think about dating my parent, I'd have to throw hands on everybody, mama included. Damn. My parents are 30 years older than me. What business y'all got dating my ex in the first place? Girl, that makes sense. Sometimes you just yeah. need a little change, a little throwback. Yeah. Or throw forward rather well, with these um, young people. <clears throat> anyway, Brexit Hardman says, don't date my family members, period. That's fair. If that don't is your boundary, don't I got date it. Family that's members. fine. Yeah, no, that's uh, I don't think yeah. anyone... Yep, nope, no one's okay. dated in my family. Great, All right. here we go. Shall we, should we bring it into the weekend? Let's do it, I'm All ready. All right, okay. Let's do it. Well, thank you to our guests, Stephanie McNeil, Taylor Lorenz, Marianne Williamson, Molly Bernard, and Kelly Rowland. You just said Kelly Rowland's name on air. Kelly <laughs> Rowland! Scream. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we have a great next week for you. We've got Loretta Devine, Kate Walsh, Maya Hawk, Fetty Wap, and more. And we will be back here on Monday at 10 a.m. Have a great mm. weekend. Bye, y'all. You I'm keep gonna, celebrating I'm Kelly Rowland. Celebrate. Celebrate. Mm.